Welcome to the Pathway Church Podcast. We're a Bible-based church located in Peterborough, Ontario, and we're on a mission to reach people far from God. Hey, so glad you're here with us. We're in week four of a message series called The Parables of Jesus. And today we're in Luke 16. We're looking at the parable of the dishonest manager. This is one of the most misunderstood parables uh, because of the twist that Jesus uh, places in it in verse eight. So we're going to dive into all of that and more today. So glad you're with us. If you have a notepad, grab it. If you have a Bible, open it up and uh, let's get to work this morning. Good morning, Pathway Church. This morning I'm reading uh, Luke 16, 1 to 13, the parable of the dishonest manager. He also said to the disciples, there was a rich man who had a manager and charges were brought to him that this man was wasting his possessions. And he called to him and said, what is this I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management for you can no longer be manager. The manager said to himself, what shall I do since my master is taking the management away from me? I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. I've decided what to do so that when I'm removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? He said, a hundred measures of oil. He said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, and how much do you owe? And he said, 100 measures of wheat. He said to him, take your bill and write down 80. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. And I tell you, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth, so that when it fails, they may receive you into the eternal dwellings. The one who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much, and the one who is dishonest in very little is also dishonest in much. If then you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust you to the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Welcome, everybody. Today, we're in week four of a message series called The Parables of Jesus. And if you haven't been with us, we're studying some of Jesus's parables. Parables are stories that Jesus told, and he used everyday objects uh, using illustrations from things that people could see and understand to explain to them things about God, things about eternity, and about his kingdom. These stories that Jesus told, uh, we call them parables. And through this series, we're studying some of his parables. And today, uh, we're studying and looking at the parable of the dishonest manager. You just heard the entire parable read to you. And uh, perhaps as you listen to it, you are already trying to figure out what it could mean. This is one of the most um, misunderstood parables. Uh, you very, very seldom hear sermons about it, and uh, many people read it, and their initial thought is, is Jesus encouraging us to be dishonest? Like, is he applauding dishonesty? Uh, I, I don't think that's the case. But before we dive into the meaning and significance of this parable for us, I want to just remind uh, those of you who've been with us and those who haven't of three questions that we're asking as we study the parables of Jesus. Three simple questions. The first question we want to ask each time we approach one of these parables or stories of Jesus is, what was Jesus' mission? If we know why he came, 
It helps us to understand the context for which he was saying what he was saying. We've been learning through this series that Jesus came to announce a brand new kingdom. He, he came to announce a kingdom and he told his disciples using the parable of the sower and the parable of the weeds how his kingdom would come. And his kingdom would come um, not like Rome with swords and spears and chariots, not like the U.S. Army, you know, with, with fighter planes and tanks and ballistic missiles, but that the kingdom of God would come like a seed that is planted deep in the ground or in the heart of a person. It would grow up and that kingdom would grow and fill the earth. That kingdom would be an eternal kingdom and God would have sons and daughters in his kingdom all over the world in every language, every nation, every tongue. So Jesus came to institute a new kind of kingdom, which is extremely important. Uh, Last week, in week three, we learned about the, the parable of lost people. And in that parable, we learned who Jesus invites into his kingdom. And Jesus invites people that you and I would never guess he would invite into his kingdom, including myself and and many of you watching. Uh, He includes the most unlikely people. And we learn that Jesus said he came to seek and save that which is lost. That he came for broken people. He came for imperfect people. He came for people who are far from God and don't know their Heavenly Father. And he came to find them. And he came to call those of us who have willingly walked away home Uh, So that's who Jesus came for. So what's his mission? Secondly, what is the context of this parable, the parable of the dishonest manager? Well, the context of this parable is that it follows the parable of the lost people we studied last week. This comes next. So Jesus is sitting at a table sharing nachos with tax collectors and sinners. His disciples are all there standing around watching and listening. And maybe outside the door are Pharisees and religious leaders listening in. And last week, Jesus directs his parable of lost people towards uh, the religious leaders. Today, he's going to turn from them and he's going to talk to his disciples specifically about how they view this life and how they view money. All right. Yeah, we're going to go there today. And so he's going to talk to them about money and he knows full well that the religious leaders are listening in. We know that this is the case because in verse 14 of the chapter, it says this, the Pharisees who were lovers of money heard all these things, and they ridiculed him. So we know that Jesus was speaking to his disciples and the religious leaders are listening in. We also know that this parable has something to do with money. All right, it has something to do with money. Now, before we walk through this uh, parable verse by verse, I want to take some major assumptions off the table. Some people believe. They believe that if someone has lots of money, then they love money. And if they don't have much money, they probably don't struggle with love of money. Nothing could be further from the truth. Let me tell you that there are people who are extremely wealthy, have lots of assets and resources, and they are the most generous people. They, they use their money, they use their wealth and resources to help others. They use it to advance the kingdom of God. And, and partially that's why they have so much. And, and some people, um, they have lots of money, but money doesn't have them. For them, money is a tool to be used for others and for the kingdom. Now, there are also wealthy people who have lots who are extremely selfish and stingy, and they worship their money in that uh, they actually wrap their whole identity and who they believe they are around their wealth. And that's bad, okay? So, So you have righteous wealthy people and unrighteous wealthy people. Now, on the other side of the spectrum, you have, we'll say poor people, but what I mean by that is maybe living paycheck to paycheck, no, no real investments, just trying to survive. And, and there are lots of people on that end of the spectrum. And there are some that are extremely greedy and love money. 
They may not have any, but if they get it, oh, they're going to use it for themselves. They're going to spend it on themselves. They're going to waste it on themselves. And they have no thought of God, his kingdom, or others. And they're also people who have very little money who will give you the shirt off their back. You've, you've met people like that. People who, who view money like manure, a tool to be spread on the field and so it can help things to grow. So there are, there are rich and poor people who have love and not love of money. So this applies to all of us. The real question is, what view of money do you have? That's the real question that we want to be asking today. So you ready for this? Let's dive in uh, to this parable. We'll start at verse 1. It says this. He, Jesus, also said to his disciples. Remember, religious leaders who are wealthy and love their money are listening in. There was a rich man who had a manager. So you have a rich man and you have a, a man who works for the rich man who's a manager. Now, in the King James Version, it says a steward. And if you grew up in church, then you've heard this word steward. A steward is somebody who manages someone else's resources, okay? So, for example, uh, if you have a large amount of money for your retirement, maybe you hire an investor who becomes a steward or a manager of your money, and you give them all your cash, and you say, invest this. And invest it in businesses, stock market, you know, bonds, whatever. You put together a portfolio, you invest my money, and I'll pay you for your service. The money is not theirs, it's your money, they're investing it for you. That's the setup we have here. Now what's interesting about this parable is that there's a rich man and someone working for him, and usually when Jesus tells a parable and there's a wealthy man, a landowner, a father, a boss, a vineyard owner, that person at the top usually represents God. And the servant, the steward, the whatever underneath usually represents you or I, the Pharisees, the disciples, us. And this makes a really interesting point for us to consider. If that's how Jesus intends us to understand this parable, then Jesus is telling us right away that we are stewards. We don't own our money. We don't own our stuff. Everything that we have is on loan to us from the God who created us, that that we actually are stewards, managers of someone else's resource. I love uh, Kirk Goodman. Some of you know Kirk. He's spoken at our church a number of times. Love that guy. Uh, a couple of times when he's spoken, he said this, you will never see a U-Haul behind a, behind a hearse. <laughs> You'll never, you just won't see it. And the point is, you can't take your stuff with you when you go, because it's not really yours. There was once a man who was really wealthy, and, um, and he was on his deathbed, and he said to his wife, honey, I want you to cash in all my investments, put all the cash in a duffel bag, and I want you to go up in the attic and put that duffel bag right above my bed in the attic. And she's like, why would I do that? And he said, well, because when I go, I want to take my money with me to heaven. Well, she thought this was crazy, but dying man's wish, she put all the cash in a bag, put it in the attic. A few weeks later, he passed, and uh, she remembered, oh, there's all this cash in the attic. So her and her daughter you know, went up the little staircase into the attic, and lo and behold, the money is still there. She turns to her daughter and says, I knew it. I should have put the money in the basement. Uh, that's a, it's a shameless, it's a shameless joke. Some of you are just getting that now. The point is you can't take it with you. It, it doesn't go with you, uh, when you leave. And that's because, that's because it's not really yours. Everything we have, friends, our money, our time, our opportunity, our resource, our children, if we're blessed with them, uh, our, our work, our relationships, all of it is temporary and all of it is on loan to us from God and God expects us to manage it well. That's a principle that we find throughout the Bible. Let's continue with the parable. Here's what the master says. He says, Charges were brought to him, to the master, 
that this man, this steward, was wasting his possessions. Now, this steward was responsible to invest his master's money and to care for his business dealings, and he was wasting it. Now, before we jump on this guy for being dishonest and wasteful, let me ask you a question. Have you ever wasted your time that God has given you? Have you ever wasted money that God has put in your hands? Have you ever wasted relationships? Have you ever wasted opportunities? The answer is yes. Every single one of us is, in some respects, guilty as charged. So before we jump down on his neck, let's, let's think about this a little bit. Charges are brought, wasting possessions. In verse 2, the, the, the owner calls him and says to him, What is this that I hear about you? Turn in the account of your management, for you will no longer be manager. He's like, you're wasting my stuff. Bring the books to me. You're getting fired. I'm going to review your work and your investment. Okay? So I want you to think of it this way. This man goes, okay, this stinks. I'm about to lose my job because he knows he's dishonest. He goes to get his books, okay? And and, and he's going to bring them back and he's going to be judged. Now, I think this is extremely important because the, the scriptures are extremely clear that there is coming a day when each and every one of us will stand in judgment before God. I was talking to my son, Nathaniel. He's 13. He was looking at my notes and we were talking about this message this morning. And, and I said to him, I said, Nathaniel, do you know that one day you're going to stand in front of God? Maybe 60, 70, 80 years. I don't know how long from now, but one day you will stand before God and he'll say, Nathaniel, what did you do with what I gave you? How did you use it? What'd you do with your time? What'd you do with your money? What'd you do with your artistic ability? What'd you do with the opportunities I put in front of you? And, and, and likewise, God is going to ask you and I the very same question. Mary, Joe, Mark, Matthew, Stephen. He's going to look into our eyes on that day and he's going to say, what did you do with what I gave you? Bring me your accounting books. Let me see what you did. And, and that's kind of a scary thought, isn't it? I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm like, I was a little scared about that. Hebrews um, 9.27 says, It's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. There comes a moment where we stand and our books are opened and God says, What did you do? What did you do? It's scary, but guess what? There's hope because of what comes next. The manager said to himself, All right, what shall I do? Since my master is taking the management away from me. He's like, I know that I've done wrong. I know I've wasted his stuff. When he looks at the books, he's going to find it. And I'm going to be fired. So... What should I do? He goes on to say, I'm not strong enough to dig and I'm ashamed to beg. My options are very limited. And guess what? Apart from the grace of God, your options and mine are are totally limited. He says, I have decided what to do. There's a ding light bulb moment. Can we put a light bulb above my head? Is that possible? Bing. Okay. Um, You know, he he has this, this light bulb moment where he says this. He says, he says, here's what I'm going to do. When I'm removed from my management people may receive me into their houses. He, he comes up with this plan that I can do something with the current opportunities. Like I still have control of my master's money until I hand him in the books. What could I do with it that might help me make friends for after I'm fired? Okay, that's pretty shrewd. And here's what he does in verse five. So summoning his master's debtors, one by one, he said to the first, how much do you owe? Huh? Let me see your bill. How much do you owe? And, and, and he says to him, he says, I owe 100 measures of oil. And he said, take your bill, sit down quickly, and write 50. I'm taking half your bill away, and because I, I still have the authority to do it until he takes the management away. I'm cutting you a deal, and I'm spending my master's money to make you my friend. 
Verse 7, And he said to another, How much do you owe? And he said, A hundred measures of wheat. And he said to him, Take your bill and write 80. So this, this shrewd manager is basically giving away his master's money in hopes that after he's fired, he'll have somewhere to go, that people will be thankful enough that they will help him out in the future. Now the twist is coming in the next verse, which we'll show you in just a second. Let me ask you a question. If you had given all of your retirement funds to an investor, and that investor spends it on a boat for his family on the weekends, your money, and you found out and you said, bring me the books, and on the way to your office, they started making donations and cutting everyone's bills that owed you money and giving all of your stuff away, how would you respond? Right? Exactly. When we look at this next verse, you're going to see the twist in the parable. Here's what it says in verse 8. The master commended the dishonest manager for shrewdness. He, he celebrated. He's like, wow, that was a nice move. He's not angry that he wasted more of his money. He's like, that's a good one. Like, you're thinking right. And that seems like a total twist. Everyone listening would have went, what? Why is, he, why is he celebrating the fact that he gave away his money? And the question comes back. Is Jesus encouraging us to be dishonest? Is he saying in this parable that we should steal money from our boss who has lots of money and give it to charity or give it to people in need like Robin Hood and, and we could justify doing that? No, Jesus isn't saying that at all. What Jesus wants us to see is that you have this unrighteous steward and he's wise enough to know that everything he currently has isn't his and it's all going to be taken away from him in a few moments but he can do something with it now that secures for him a better future tomorrow. And Jesus is like, oh, if my people, oh, if Christians around the world would only view their money, resources, and time in that way, in light of eternity, it would change everything. Okay? He goes on to say this, the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light. He's like, this guy is wiser than men, we can say, than many Christians. Because he was willing to do something today that would have significant impacts long into the future. He goes on and says, I tell you, and this is the lesson, make friends for yourselves by means of unrighteous wealth. Jesus like, by all means, spend God's money on helping people, on making a difference for eternity, and he'll applaud you for it. Because people matter. So that when it fails, they may receive you into eternal dwellings. Jesus is talking about eternity now. That there's coming a day when our lives end and we enter into eternity. And he's saying there's stuff we can do right now with what God has given us that will actually secure eternal riches in heaven. The big idea is this. Money is temporary. As we already said, there's no, there's no U-Haul behind a hearse. Like You can't take it with you. It's temporary. But people are eternal. And the stuff you do with your time and money to bless people, to help people, to invest into the kingdom of God will have a, a huge impact on eternity and you'll be with people who you've touched and reached in heaven. The point here, this is really important, okay, in case somebody wants to take this the wrong direction. The point here is not give, give to the church, give to charity, and you'll go to heaven. That's not what Jesus is saying. I think this is the big idea. When you understand heaven and eternity, you will give. Because you'll recognize that it's like, I can make a small sacrifice now, that has eternal consequences later. That I can do something with money, time, energy that isn't even mine. It's somebody else's and I can use it to secure treasure in heaven for myself. Jesus said it this way in his Sermon on the Mount. He said, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy 
because all this stuff, like, let's face it, no matter how much money you have when you die, it gets left behind to be wasted by someone with your last name. Okay, let's just be honest about it, okay? Uh, but we have the opportunity to do some stuff now with our time, money, resources that can have a huge impact for eternity. That's the point. He continues uh, a couple last points before we wrap it up. The one who is faithful in very little, verse 10, is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. Jesus is making this point that he makes elsewhere. Some of you remember the, the series You in Five Years that we did. And one of the points from that series was that future you is simply an exaggerated version of current you. And Jesus is saying the same thing. If you're stingy with a little bit of money you have now, what makes you think you're going to be generous later? You're going to be more stingy if God gives you more. And if you're generous with the little bit you have and God gives you more, you'll be more generous. He continues to say in verse 11, if you have not been faithful with unrighteous wealth, if you misuse all the money, time, and opportunity God gives you now, who will entrust you with true riches, eternal riches? And if you have not been faithful in that which is someone else's, God's, who will give you what is your own? These are some great questions. He wraps it up here. No servant can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. Again, the question here is not how much do you give. The question here is where's your heart? And how does your heart connect with the money that you have? You're either going to believe that everything you have belongs to God and you are a manager and steward of it, to advance his purposes and to help those around you. That's one viewpoint where the money is God's and it's a tool, not your master, or you're going to view money as the thing that you're aiming for. It's going to be your identity. It will be the thing that controls your decisions. It will be the thing that drives your life and you'll serve money. So you either money serves you and the kingdom and God, or you serve money. Those are the two options that we have. Now, some of you may be thinking, as, as I wrap up today, again, the question for you and me is simply this. And I think this is what the parable of the dishonest manager is all about. What has God entrusted you? What has he put in your hands? And certainly this is about money, but it's about so much more than that. What has he put in your hands? And what are you doing with it? And if you're freaking out because you've been wasteful, uh, there's hope because... There's still time. If there's breath in your lungs, there's still time. This steward, even though he's already told he's going to be fired, there was time for him to do something that would make a difference for eternity. And you and I are in the same boat. With whatever days we have left, with the breath we have in our lungs, we have an opportunity to do something, to honor God, to help others, to advance the kingdom. And that's the stuff that's really going to matter in the long run. So, you know, some of you may be wondering, okay, pastor's talking about money. When's the big offering speech coming? No big offering speech. Maybe maybe you've watched services online, televangelists, and they're always asking for money. Give, 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 give your money. I, I'm not here to, to say that. I'm not here to do that. People think, God wants my money. <laughs> it's already his. He doesn't want your money. You're using his money. What he wants is your heart. And if he has your heart, then he'll be able to direct his resources where he needs them. That's the big idea. And so today what I want to do is I want to let you know that, of course, um, here at Pathway Church, we encourage people to be generous. We encourage people to give consistently, uh, to tithe, to set aside a percentage, to give God your first and best. Uh, but of course, that's something that you decide with your spouse or on your own, and you do it before God 
in a way um, that honors him. And, and that's for you to decide. And our church has been entirely funded by free will donations of people who say we're behind the mission and vision of this church. We love it. And we believe God is doing something. And this is a good investment for the kingdom and for the future. And so people have continued to give. So thank you if that's you. We've been so blessed. Um, in fact, a few years ago, we began a stretch campaign and we were able to increase our giving as a church in order to set aside uh, an opportunity fund cash so that one day when an opportunity for us to have our own physical space and home uh, would come up, that we'd be ready to move. And so today I'm going to close in prayer and then I'm going to move over to my office and I'm going to share with you an update about an opportunity that we have in front of us as a church that I'm really excited to share with you. Hey, thanks for being with us and thanks for uh, joining in on our podcast today. Uh, if you'd like to, you can subscribe. There's also more information available on our social media platform, on our website, pathwaylife.com. And also uh, in our service this week, I announced uh, that we are investigating a building of a future potential home that we could purchase for our church. For more information about that, you can go to our website, pathwaylife.com. And you can click on the My Church button, and there is uh, a button under there called Building. And there you'll find a PDF document and, uh, and other information about that. So thank you for supporting this ministry through listening and through giving. And uh, we look forward to seeing you again here next time.